This is week five in this series we're calling Praying by the Rules. And we've started, you know, we, we did a series right before this. We went five or six or seven weeks, I can't remember now, uh, on how to build a foundation for an effective prayer life. I want to encourage you, go back online and listen to that. Take notes. This is a great foundational series that you could use to help disciple people. But once we, and we talked about being fervent in prayer, we talked about a lot of things. Now we're talking about praying by the rules. Most people think prayer is prayer, but you can't think that if you read the Bible because in the New Testament, there are nine different prayers in the New Testament that are outlined by Jesus. Seven of the nine have different rules that apply to them. So we're going through that. We've got through two of the seven last week. We, we went a little bit different direction, and I want to continue down that direction. We have just been infused with a great infusion of righteousness in our services on Sunday. Wasn't that an incredible service on Sunday? You know, just wonderful to see God moving. And boy, I'll tell you, if there's any testimonies, because there was an incredible anointing, healing anointing, please send those into the office, you know, and, and so that we could bring them to the people and uh, we just know some great things have happened in people's lives, and, and the healing power of God is working, right? Amending our bodies. We have no time for sickness and disease. We've got to be strong. We're living in the, the end of this church age, right? But we've been talking about righteousness, so last week we started talking about the prayer of the righteous. And I want to continue on with that today. So important that when you, in your prayer life, that you know that you are a child of God, that what defines you is not what you do, but who you are in Christ. And when you understand that your life is defined because Jesus was made to be sin for you so that you would be made the very righteousness of God in Christ, when you realize that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, you are his child, it changes everything about your prayer life, and now you will be able to understand how to pray because you come to God. God doesn't say things like, come to my throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help you. He says, I want you to come boldly. But see, you can't come boldly if you don't know who you are. And trust me, who you are is not because of who you are, because of you it's because of who he's made you it's all because of jesus everything is because of jesus so go ahead and turn here i want you to see this one more time turn to hosea 4 6 hosea 4 6 we talked about this last week because you got to know some things to pray correctly in hosea 4 6 it says at the beginning of this verse, a truth, and we looked at Isaiah also last week that another scripture like this, but I just want to focus on this. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And this word destroyed literally means, it's, it's the Hebrew word dama. It literally means to be silenced and cut off so that you cannot partake of the covenant that you have. Satan has to silence you 
in order to steal, kill, and destroy in your life because he has been stripped of power by Jesus. When Jesus came out of the grave, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth has been given to me. And then he turned to his disciples and he, in the Great Commission, he said, now you go in my name. He gave us power of authority in the name of Jesus. He said that we're seated with him in heavenly places far above principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, all of these, the satanic hierarchy. There is no comparison between you and anything that could come against you. Isn't that amazing? But you have to know who you are because Satan operates as an outlaw. He'll come against you illegally, right? So you have to know how to keep him at bay. The Bible never says that God's going to resist the devil for you. He tells you as his child, you submit yourself to me and resist the devil and he'll flee from you as in terror. So this is a huge word. We're destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. This is the Hebrew word derat. It literally means discernment. In, in, in Isaiah 11.2, it uses the same word. This is talking about knowledge that has been revealed by the Holy Spirit. We call it, as a New Testament believer, revelation knowledge. Right? In Psalm 119, doesn't the word say, the entrance or the opening of God's word brings light. It's revelation. That light, it goes off on the inside of my spirit and God will lead me by that light. His, his, his word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. We do not learn the Bible. Have you ever met somebody that has learned the Bible? Wow. Right? Dry. No life. We discern the Bible. Because it's not what you know in your head, it's what you know in your heart as now the word goes off on the inside of you. This is why Jesus said, listen, be careful who you are hearing, be careful what you hear, be careful how you hear, and he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is huge. So we said this last week, the way that we get beliefs formed in people is what we do is we accumulate knowledge from the Word of God into a person's life. That's why we teach the Word around here, right? Nobody's going to come here and want to hear about my opinion about anything. If you do, please, you're self-deceived and you need to go somewhere else. We're coming here tonight to hear from the mighty Holy Spirit who is our teacher, and he is our God, and he knows our future, and he knows right what we need right now. So he will take this message that he's given me as a pastor. The gifts inside of me are designed to equip you to go do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ is built up and, and edified in this earth, right? But the Holy Spirit tonight he will literally tailor-make this one message and split it to make it perfect for each of us. It is as if, it is as if you'll, you'll sit here and go, it's as if God is talking directly to me, right? That's the way it is. 
Yeah, he's talking to you. Well, he's talking to me too. And he brings life. So expect that. The more scriptures you give people, the stronger the belief can become. What, what are we saying here? We said this last week. You have to have scriptural knowledge to form your beliefs. Now that sounds so elementary. But what do we do in the body of Christ? We look at outward circumstances to decide what the Word of God really means. Well, it couldn't really mean that He always blesses. Because, man, I know somebody who loved God and they don't walk in the blessing of God. What does that have to do with anything? Well, God couldn't heal all the time because, you know, my sister, my brother, my cousin loved God with all of their heart and they died of sickness and disease. We do not form doctrine and our beliefs in the Word of God on what's happening in other people's lives because as we're all sitting here, you can't judge where another person's at on the inside. Now you could tell if they're in faith, you could tell if they're full by their countenance and everything, but you don't really know where they are. And how many of you know, I mean, have you ever missed it? Have you ever failed to lay hold of something that God has given you? Absolutely. So see, we gotta be careful. We have to take the word of God. So the foundation, as we come to this subject of prayer, we have to know who we are. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 21, we've been singing about it tonight. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it really sums it up. For he, talking about God the Father, hath made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us. This Greek word, hamartia, he made Jesus to be an innocent sin sacrifice for us so that we might be made. Different Greek word, made. It literally means to begin to be, to come to be. There's no progression in this word. Literally, instantly be made the very righteousness of God in him or in Christ. Jesus was made to be sin so that you and I could be made, instantly made, the righteousness of God in Christ. When you were born again, the moment that the Holy Spirit came into you and put a new spirit inside of you, shed the love of God abroad in your heart, and took up permanent residency for all eternity in you, you were made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ right then. You'll never be any more righteous than you were the day you got born again. I don't care if you got born again when you were three years old. See, holiness, which is your lifestyle, it flows in your behavior. It flows out of righteousness. So if you don't know that you're righteous, you'll never walk free from your flesh. And you will literally live a life that's not really you. It's just not really who you are. And so we have to know who we are. Righteousness, in other words, is not a thing. It is a position that we have. A one-on-one, -on -one, face to face, can't separate me from God in any way position. 
that we have with our Father. We said this before, that righteousness could be defined as you and I, the ability that God's given us in Christ to stand now in the presence of the Father without any sense of guilt, without any sense of inferiority, as if sin has never, ever existed in our life. Because you know, in your life, sin never has existed as a Christian. Do you know that? Because the day you received Christ, old things were passed away. The sin nature was gone. All of the sin was paid for. And now you're born again. Behold, everything becomes new. Yeah, but pastor, but today I did something that the Bible would call sin. Well, we can still, we have the ability, if we don't renew our mind to the word and we allow the sin nature that's still in our flesh to operate, we can do sinful and unrighteous behavior. We could look just like somebody who's not saved. But I'm telling you, that's not who you are. And Paul's revelation, it's laid out very strongly in Romans and throughout the epistles, when you realize that you were literally dead in your trespasses and sins, you and I could have never been good enough to be accepted by a holy God. The only reason why we've been accepted in the beloved and you and I are accepted I don't know what kind of home you grew up in. I grew up in a home that, man, I'm telling you, I just never felt like there was a place for me. But then I found out there is a place for me with God. That he loved me so much that he literally sent his son, who's the creator of all things, and his son, who is the creator of all things, took aside and set aside his godly attributes and traits and became a man so that he could die in my place. And because of that, nothing that I could have ever done, he just did it for me. God came looking for us. And because of Jesus now, I've been made. I walk around thinking, wow, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. It's just because he loved me. But because of that, now in my prayer life, in, in my day-to-day -day life, in every arena of my life, I can come every moment of every day into my Father's presence. I mean, you think about this. In heaven, on the throne, there's cherubs that fly around the throne of God. And they don't know, it doesn't specify how long in eternity they've been doing this. But they just, they, just say, they just say over and over again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy. And, and in the ancient Hebrew dialect, a, a, a Hebrew scholar will tell you that they are literally not commissioned to say that. They are saying that as a result of their seeing something different and glorious about God. And it just compels them to go holy, holy, holy. And, but my God tells me, listen, you come. Come boldly to my throne. 
Hey, and, and see, the Bible says that he's placed his spirit within me. So now when I come to him, I call, I call him Abba, Daddy. I'm not an angel. I'm his child. I'm not his servant. I'm his son. And now he says, come boldly. I come in his presence because I've been made righteous without any sense of guilt or shame or worthlessness. Right? As if sin never existed in my life because it was all blotted out and I was made new. I was born again. That's what being a Christian is. Do you believe that tonight? Then the question is, what are you going to do about it? Man, I saw a movie. The Lord's been saying that to me for about, I don't even know how many months. I can't remember right now. But he's been talking to me about different parts of redemption. Do you see that, Tony? Yeah. Yeah, Father. What are you going to do about it? So we watched this movie. What was it, a couple days ago? I can't remember. And, and this guy was... Well, it reminded me of this guy that was in uh, California years ago in the 80s. Called, his name was Arthur Blessed, And he would walk around with a cross. Well, this guy was walking around the streets of Chicago with a cross. And, and, and he's preaching the cross. And people are just like, you're an idiot, you know, and all this other stuff. And, and this pastor is in this car, and he rolls down his window, and he says hi to the guy, or he kind of gets his attention, and the guy walks over. And he's like, and the guy goes, do you believe in the cross of Christ? And, the, and here's the, the pastor's response. He smiled at him. Well, I'm a pastor. And the guy looked at him and he goes, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, do you believe in the cross? And, and, the, and it kind of, it, it rocked this guy's world, this pastor's world, and he's like, Yeah. And, he's, and the guy's like, what are you going to do about it? When, he, when that happened, I just lost it. But this is the reality. We have to know righteousness, it comes through our union with Jesus. Right? The moment you got saved, you and Jesus, he's your Lord. He's yours forever. Right? Nobody can take you out of his hand. Nothing can separate you from his love. And now you are a righteous child of God. As you're sitting there, and here's the thing, the Bible tells us to awake to righteousness. Why would he tell us that? Have you ever felt like you weren't righteous? I could probably say, today, did you maybe feel like you maybe fell a little short in that? Yeah, but we don't go by feelings. Our beliefs on this subject are based on what God's word says. Right? So it, it's unchangeable. This can't ever be changed. It's forever settled in heaven. You are righteous. And God wants you to know it. And Satan does not want you to know it. He wants you to think you're just this mess going to just make another mess. And as long as you believe that, guess what you'll do? You'll make messes. As long as, you, as long as you think you're worthless and you're filled with shame and guilt that's not even real, it'll pull you back into that lifestyle. But when you realize 
that the God of heaven loved you enough and he came looking for you and you, you are so special that it, he, he paid the price of his son in order to redeem you. Jesus going to the cross after being beaten, carrying this 110-pound piece of wood that he would later be nailed to. It says for the joy that was set before him, he went to the cross. He saw you walking in dominion and in authority in this earth. He saw you walking in the blessings of God that he was going to provide for you. Walking free in this world system. Walking in peace that's not of this world. Walking and operating in a wisdom that's not in this world. Man, that's who we are. And when we go to prayer, I'm telling you, hell should shake. Because when you know who you are, man, these demons that are assigned to you, when you wake up, they're like, oh no, man, she's awake again. He's awake again. And, and they look, they just, you know, I think they still hate us. Oh yeah, because we never let the sun go down on our anger. We hate all the time. Who do we hate? Satan. Do we ever hate people? Never. We walk in love, but we hate him. We're all going to be going, yeah, when he's thrown in the lake of fire, have fun. Can't stand him. I can't stand what he does to people. I can't stand some of the nonsense doctrine that, that literally paralyzes a Christian where he can't believe God because he thinks that God sometimes heals one and not another, blesses one and not another. That's a doctrine of a demon. Not in the Bible. If you come at me with another doctrine, you just better be saying it's written. Because I'm going to be asking, where is that in the Bible? And I don't care how many you know, letters you have behind your name. No, what does God's word say? Right? Righteousness comes through our union with Jesus at the new birth. So right now, when you go to your father in prayer, his ear is open. And his answer is always yes. That's what the Bible says. As we grow in the knowledge of the word, how do we do that? By being a doer of the word. Right? I grow in my knowledge of God's word one way as I am a doer of his word. Well, how, how come I'm a doer? Because I'm meditating in it. How did I hear it? Because it's first place. So now, as I grow, I grow in my knowledge of the word, because I'm a doer of the word of God, what happens in this process, now I'm becoming more aware of how I am righteous. How do I become more aware that I'm righteous? By being a doer of the word of God. That's how you become more aware of your righteousness. And I'm telling you, you can start the process. If it's not started, start it tonight. And you start out by going, God, I know you're so good. You're so good, you saved me when I was lost. And now you've got a plan for my life. And I'm not ever going to touch the things of this world again because you're so good. You, in you is life, right? And I know that, so now I'm walking with him. And if I ever choose wrong, I know my father. I could just run back to him. When Jesus was on the earth, his son told people, listen, you, you need to forgive people 70 times 7. 
490 times for the same offense in one day. That's impossible. In other words, you just always forgive. Well, does God ever expect you to do something that he hasn't already done? No. Right? If you say that Jesus is your Lord and you say you know him, the Bible says you should walk as he walked. In other words, he'll never ask you to do something that he hasn't done. So he forgives. To be honest with you, when you mess up today, he's forgiven you 2,000 years ago. Isn't that awesome? I love that. So we said this, Romans 5, in verse 21, it really summed it up. Well, I'll look at verse 19. Romans 5, 19, For if by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, that's Adam, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Verse 21, That is, sin hath reigned unto death. When sin came into this world, all death came in after it, and all of us were born spiritually dead with no hope. But it says, as sin hath reigned unto death, even so, or in the same way, grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life. Wow. The grace of God, the finished work of Christ, God doing for you and I what we could never do for ourselves, Healing things in our body that in the natural couldn't be healed. Healing and restoring our lives in ways that when it's beyond repair, it's no, it's no problem to God. You can't mess up big enough that he can't fix it. Isn't that good news? See, this needs to be preached and demonstrated all over this earth. I love that. So then, in Luke chapter 11, last week, we talked about, in verse 9, Jesus, they come to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, and they're like, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They saw some things in the, life, in the prayer life of Jesus. They saw something that jumped out, and they're like, you need to teach us how to pray, because, man, you're praying in a way, I'm seeing something that I need to know about. And we see through this whole story that what they saw was a boldness and a shamelessness. When Jesus went to his father, he wasn't going to Jehovah God. Oh, he's Jehovah God, but Jesus is saying, you're my father. He went shameless. No shame, no guilt, no inferiority. He went to his father with no shame and he went bold. And that's what they saw. And so it says in Luke eleven nine, 9, Jesus said this about prayer. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. That's so strong in the Greek language. That means when you ask, it's given to you all the time. It's not like religion says. Well, sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Jesus is saying, ask and it shall be given to you. In the context of this scripture, Jesus is saying, listen, anyone who's bold enough to ask, it'll be given. Anyone. Seek and you shall find. 
Anyone who's bold enough to seek, they'll find. I'll make sure they find. Look at this one. Keep going with it. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. If you're bold enough to knock, it'll be opened unto you. Wow, I love that. Verse 10, look at this in, in relation to the prayer of the righteous. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, and to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Wow. Everyone. I'm here to tell you that your prayer life is to be 100%. There is no reason to ever have any prayer not be 100% answered yes. What do you need in your life? Everything in your life that does not look like what he said he's given you, what he says you are and have, everything will come in line. And you can invite, we said this early on, that prayer is no more you're inviting heaven. You're inviting the God of heaven into your circumstances. And whether or not you caused them, is not doesn't matter he'll come and fix it he'll move on your behalf here's another scripture sounds a lot like this one sounds a lot like luke 11 9 and 10 john 15 verse 7 john 15 7 if you abide in me that means if you dwell continually in me well we're already in him. We know that because Romans tells us, literally in Romans 8, 9, if his spirit lives in you, you're in Christ. The word's simply saying now, if you will dwell in me. So if you'll just live in me, you're already in me because your spirit, my spirit's living in you, but you gotta live in me. That means as you get up and you go out and walk throughout your day, are you living in him? But if you live in him and his words abide in you, you will ask whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. Not sometimes, always. Isn't that good news? You have sickness in your body tonight? You got your answer. You have poverty or lack in your life of any kind? You've already got your answer. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. There's no toil. Yeah, but you don't understand. I only make this much money. Hide and watch. Honor God in your finances. Live in Him. So, honor Him in your finances. See what happens to your financial life. I'm telling you, with God, there is no, there is no lack. Are you facing anxiety, fear, depression, terror, having anxiety attacks, all this stuff, anger issues, all this stuff, out of control things in your life. It has no place. You've been redeemed from it all. It's not even in you. It's just the residual that's in your unrenewed mind. And it's just, it ignites through your flesh. That's all it is. When you walk with God and you realize who you are in Him, you will start telling your body what it's going to do. You'll no longer be ruled by your body. I love that. Another great scripture, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and verse 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him, 
that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And that's all you got to know. When you ask according to God's will, he hears you. Well, what does that mean? And it says, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we've asked of him. Why? Because God never says no. His answer is always yes. Do you see how God has laid this out in the word where there is literally no room? And Christians will sit in church and hear this and they're like this. You know why? Because they're asleep. This is why we pray for an awakening. They'll sit in church and it's like a Teflon coating around them. Yeah, but you don't understand. My life sucks. I just don't believe. Yeah, you're choosing not to. But you don't have to. Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, well, how do you go from here to the person who's like, man, I've got my answer. This is awesome. Thank you, God. How do you go from that? It's real simple. Whatever you feed on, you hunger after. So if you have zero hunger for God tonight, no problem. God's not mad at you. What he's doing, he's going to be going, just start reading. Read your chapter. Start listening to teaching. Start feeding on me. Because God's over here going, because man, I'll ignite everything in your spirit till you just can't, you just, you're never going to be satisfied. Because the hunger level in God, it never ends. Because he's irresistible. He's life. He's health. He's everything. So just start feeding on him. If you want to be more hungry, oh Lord, go to him and just pray. Oh Lord, please, will you make me more hungry? See, just know this, he won't hear that prayer. Because that's not prayed according to his will. But down on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit's going to be, who's your trainer, who's your mentor, who's your guide? He's going to be going, just feed more. See, I don't care what your favorite food is. The way it works in the flesh is you could eat your favorite food, but eventually you're going to just get to the point where you're like, oh man. But when you feed on God, the more you feed, the more you hunger. The more you hunger, the more you'll feed. The more you feed, the more you hunger. And that's the way it works. I can't tell you as a pastor, you see this cycle in people's life. You'll see people, I can't tell you how many times this has happened. You'll see people, and I could say this on a Wednesday night because nobody's going to feel guilty because you're all here, right? So, so you know, and, and, and we never make anybody feel guilty for not coming to church because we're Christians, right? We don't, we don't try to manipulate people to do anything. We just love them, right? So, so what happens is they're going through financial trouble. And if you've ever went through financial trouble, man, that'll talk to you all day and all night every day, right? And all of a sudden... They're looking for a job, and they just so happen to get a job that will keep them out of church. And so they'll get a job that keeps them out of church. And instead of believing God, take the job and believe God, listen, i got to get back in church. Because I know this is a part of my, of my spiritual life. Or, or, or they get a job where 
it just works out where when they were getting in the word, now they got to work, so they get out of the word or whatever. It's just a matter of three to six months, and their life's a mess again. If I got out of the word, now I'm pretty full of the word, but if I got out of the word, you would eventually start telling it. Because you'd eventually start, you'd start to see parts of me, or it's not, they're not, it's not really me. You'd see parts of my flesh that really you haven't seen. But I wouldn't be able to control it because it's just there. But man, when the word is in abundance in my heart, it comes out of my mouth. It literally drips out of every pore of who I am. And it helps me. It tells me to not go by how I feel. It tells me to tell my flesh how I feel. This is how we live as Christians. So if you want to be on fire for the Lord, just start feeding. That's all you have to do. And what will happen eventually, you will meet who you really are. Because the Holy Spirit will start pulling this world-dominating overcomer out on the outside. It'll heal your marriage. It'll restore families. It'll change your financial life. It'll change your health. It'll change everything about you. Here's another scripture. Mark 11, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Mark 11, 24. This is the prayer of faith. This is, this is faith to receive something. Look at what it says. Therefore I say unto you, Jesus talking, what things soever you desire... This is the Greek word, desire. It's the Greek word that means to call for, to require, to make a demand for. It's the same word that's translated John 15, 7, ask. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. The word receive means to seize hold of and take. Take it. What things soever you desire when you pray, what things soever you're calling for, requiring, make a demand for, what are you doing? It, it has to be in the word. It's something that God said he's already given you. You believe that you take it when you pray and you will have it in this realm in your life. That's what this word is saying. In other words, boldness is the foundation of your prayer life and boldness is a result always of knowledge. A lack of knowledge will be shown forth in a lack of boldness. Why was Daniel so bold? Because he had knowledge of who God was. Right? Your knowledge determines the amount of boldness you walk in. Boldness is always a result of knowing God. Arrogance means it's all about me. Don't mess with me because, man, I'm this and I'm that and I'm all this. As a Christian, we're not arrogant. We're bold. Don't mess with me, Satan. Because to mess with me, you got to go through him, and we already know you can't go through him. Right? Because he loves me, and he surrounds me. 
I'm a peculiar person. It means I'm purchased. I'm surrounded. So wherever I go, my God goes before me. My God is always beside me. He always goes behind me, and he's above me and beneath me, and he's in me, and I'm in him. You can't separate me from him. I love that. Your effectiveness in prayer is always going to be a result of boldness. The Bible says, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Don't cast it away, right? Don't, don't ever let go of the promise of God. Daniel eleven thirty two says this. It says, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. This is what I, want, what I want you to see in relation to boldness. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Who will be strong? This word strong literally means courageous enough to seize hold of things. Courageous enough to take it. Man, when you're diagnosed with something that could kill you, realize that there's going to be something that rises up in you. It's the Spirit of God, and it's going to say, no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been redeemed from this, and I take my healing, and I'll never let it go. And Satan, you got to take your hands off my body, and body, you got to come in line. Cancer, diabetes, I don't care what it is, arthritis, you have to leave my body. Because why? Because God spoke. Hebrews 4.16, it says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may, what? Obtain mercy. It's the, the word obtain is real interesting. It's the Greek word lambano. You're like, so what? It means to seize hold of. It means to take. It's the exact same word that's translated receive in Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you lambano them and you'll have them. I come thrown, boldly to the throne of grace and I say, Father, I'm coming I'm calling for, I'm requiring, I'm making a demand for, I'm taking the mercy that you've already given me. And along with the mercy, I found grace now to help me in my time of need. That's how I live. I can come boldly when I need mercy. You know, you don't need mercy unless you messed up. Isn't that amazing? You can be bold when you messed up. Why? Because Jesus paid it. Wow. Mercy and find grace to help me in my time of need. So I'm going to kind of close with this. I was going to go a little bit more into it, but there's four things you got to know that we've talked about. Number one, you have to know who your father is and who your God is. Right? You got to know that he's always good, that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness. That means what he's done for one, he will do for all. That's what that Greek word means. 
There's no shadow of turning that he is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent or change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's done it for one, he'll do it for all. My God is good all the time. His mercies are new to me every morning. He's faithful. He makes a way where there's no way. He opens doors that can't be shut. He'll shut doors to the enemy that he could never open. He changes. He makes all things new. Man, I'm telling you, every, every born-again believer who has a felony on their record needs to know he makes all things new. You might be in the world system that says you can't get a proper job, but you're not in the world system alone. You're in the world system in the kingdom of God, and he opens doors. It doesn't change. Nothing changes God's word. You got to know who God is. The second thing you have to know is you have to know who you are in Him. That you've been accepted in the Beloved. That He's your God. That nothing can separate you from His love. That He's given you these precious promises in His Word so that you can partake of His divine nature. That His mercy is new every morning. That great is his faithfulness. you got to know that you have the favor of God on you because of who you are in him. So you got to know who he is, but you got to know who you are in him, and you've got to know who the enemy is. That's number three. You have to know that you know that you know that he is a deceiver. That he has no power. That you have already been given authority over him, and he is always under your feet. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, you believe God's word. This is so good, i got to read this. Satan is a thief, he's a liar, he's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. What is a deceiver? A deceiver will cause people to think about things and see things that are not true. See, so many times in the church, man, we act like we know more about Satan than we do about God. Satan's defeated. We know. The, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. We are not ignorant of his devices. It's the Greek word noema. Devices, the mind schemes and mind games. We know that he's the devil. Dia, he's trying to penetrate through my mind by doing abelos. Diabolos is the word for devil. By doing abelos, throwing something, blow after blow, he throws thoughts at your mind. You're nothing. You'll never amount to anything. This sickness is getting worse. You're going to die. You can't do this. Blow after blow because he wants to penetrate your mind and deceive you. Cause you to see things that are in a wrong way and believe things in a wrong way. Here's the fourth thing. Not only do I have to know, number one, who my father is, who my God is. Number two, I gotta know who I am in him. Number three, I've gotta know who my enemy is, that he's defeated. Number four, I must know how to worship the Lord. Because my whole life is to be a life of thanksgiving. 
I'm to worship him in spirit and in truth. I, I'm not this, this shallow Christian that comes to God looking for a concert to make my emotions feel good. No, no, I'm coming into the presence of God to passionately pursue him because I understand worship is when he responds. I understand that worship is this secret place that I have in him to where I literally empty myself of everything and I just come in here, God, it's just me and you. I'm in this inner chamber with you. I'm worshiping you in spirit and in truth. And I know while I'm in here worshiping you, you're in here with me putting things in my life and doing this, but you're also omnipresent. You're also on the outside. You're going everywhere, working all the junk out in my life without me even having to ask you about it. That is the prayer life of the righteous. you got to know who your God is. you got to know who you are in Him. You must know who your enemy is, and you got to know that you know that you know that your life is to be a life of worship. Because it says in the book of Romans that when people chose not to glorify God and were not thankful, they were given over to a vain imagination and their foolish heart was darkened. So that's not me. I, I don't worry about anything, but I pray about everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Why? Because I already know. He always answers yes. Because he loves me. Amen?